Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I left academia about one year ago to become a scientific editor for grants and manuscripts and an editorial manager for a science website. I'm Ian, and I've recently left academia to move into a science communication, editing, and publishing career. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about two years ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Hi, and welcome to The Recovering Academic. I'm here with Clady and Ian, as always, but today we have our special guest, Dr. Sarah Langworthy, and she is an author, consultant, and speaker, and a YouTuber with a degree in developmental psychology. So she, in 2013, she co-founded an organizational advancement and evaluation consulting group called The Exchange Loop, and she wrote a book called Bridging the Relationship Gap, which addresses how educators can build resilience with children. She also started a YouTube channel called Developmental Enthusiast, where she creates videos on a variety of subjects and and research in human development across the lifespan. You can find out more about her at drlangworthy.com. And Sarah is not only doing all that, but she's also now self-employed. So... (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome, Sarah. So, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your transition? <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, because <laughs> it sounds like you're very like all the stuff. I I am a little all over the board. It's a thing I do. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Recovering academic is is definitely something I've been listening to um, as I've been going through my transition, and uh, it's been really helpful knowing that I'm not alone. <laughs> so thank you for doing the podcast for for that reason. If if not all the other great things that you've been sharing um, across the interwebs, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. So my my career transition. Um, kind of started early in the sense that I knew pretty early on in my um, grad school career that I did not want to continue uh, on the traditional researcher track. Um, I really loved research. I enjoyed thinking about problems and trying to you know, bring as much evidence to bear on a question and, and really digging deep into things. But I saw the lifestyle of what um, what a, a researcher who you know did research in an academic institution, what that life would look like, and I was like, I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> this is not for me. Yes. <laughs> and 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 that's not an indictment of you know of that lifestyle. It just was not a good fit for me, and I knew that pretty early on. So I, um, within my second or third year of graduate school, was really looking for other opportunities to become involved in other things that would sort of expand my horizons a little bit. And I got the opportunity to be a part of um, an exhibit development team at the Science Museum of Minnesota. Um, they were doing an ex- uh, they were developing an exhibition all about the science of early childhood, and they needed somebody who was a content expert. So they had actually reached out to my um, my mentor and advisor at that point, and she said, "Hmm, I think this might be a great thing for you." And so I got connected to that team, and 
it was fascinating. The the world of museums, you guys, it is a really fascinating place. Um, and so I got to be a part of these meetings with all of these really creative people. And I, I like to tell the story of, um, you know, you'd go to one of these meetings, and you'd be sharing your research, and you'd be talking about like, oh, here's this really cool concept. And how are we going to talk about this and bring this to life? And then you'd come back the next week, and there'd be a prototype sitting on the table. And they're like, oh, that, does this work? <laughs> like, what? How, how did you do this? You know, um, and so it was really fabulous to see how science communication was done in a professional setting um, and in a world where that's that's essential. Um, the Getting the science right was essential, but also thinking about how are people going to interact with this and how are they going to consume it and, and making sure that the messaging was right and those sorts of things. And so that was my first taste of um, life outside of the ivory tower. And I couldn't get enough after that. So um from there, after graduate school, I um, went to work for a group um, still at the University of Minnesota, but a group that was really focused on community engagement and um, doing some professional development, again, sort of bringing science to the masses, basically. Um, and so that was that was a, another really great experience and got me some, um, some time really thinking about the issues that communities were facing um, and issues that professionals were facing. And so I felt like that opened up my um, understanding understanding for that world a little bit more in a really valuable way as well. Um, but again, knew I didn't want to stay in academia forever. Um, even in that kind of role, the the bureaucracy was um, challenging <laughs> to work with. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I kind of decided, okay, I, I want to try to explore some other things. And a colleague and I started the Exchange Loop, our consulting firm, sort of as a side hustle um, and, and as a way to kind of try out our research skills in a different environment. And um, that was really cool and a great learning experience. <laughs> um, and then from there, it was just sort of continuing to build things in the background, writing a, writing this book and my YouTube channel and those kinds of things, all with the goal of eventually taking the leap. And um, in January of this year, I took the leap. And here I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still here, you guys. <laughs> so that's sort of that's the basic uh, basics of my story. Like, what was the benchmark for you to take the leap? Like, what were you like? Not like, I don't mean it like, what were you waiting for? But like, what were like, what were you waiting for? <laughs> what was I waiting for? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I, I think um, I would have waited longer if it were not for, um, if it were not for some, some kind of personal reasons. And what I mean by that is that my work um, at this, at this group, um, because of the nature of the leadership structure, and because of some of the, the issues going on in our department, it, it became a place where I knew I couldn't do my best work. And I'm a kind of person who I need to feel fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. And I need to feel like it matters somehow. And I was feeling like it wasn't. And um, despite having all of these side hustles and that sort of thing going on, I just felt like I was going nowhere. And so it really started to drain on my mental health. And so last fall, um, it was a really hard time. And I was like, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep going to this job 
that is is not fulfilling and is not um, giving me what I need in order to move forward. And in fact, it's constantly, you know, creating barriers and challenges. And so I I had to have some hard conversations with my partner and, and you know, figure out what that was going to look like. But we always knew the end game was going to be um, me working for myself. It just came up a little sooner than we were anticipating. Um, but I knew that for my own sanity, <laughs> I needed to get out. And so um, so I took the leap, you know, maybe a little earlier than even some people would think is wise, <laughs> but it's worked out okay so far. So I'm not complaining. Um, but but yeah, it was certainly a it was definitely a consideration of um, my own well being and my career and what I wanted out of life. It, it was not feeling good. And I needed a change. Yeah, that's that's something that sometimes you need to it, you need to put the two things in a balance, you know. You have mm-hmm. to there is the risk, but you also have to think about your mental health and how you're feeling and if it's not if you're not happy, if you're not doing it, even if it can be a struggle, I mean, in the money size or even mm-hmm. in the work load, uh it's worth doing it, right? I, yeah, I would say definitely um, that, that for me, at least it was the right choice to make. Um, that said, I will also say to listeners out there, you know, don't make the choice completely impulsively. <laughs> like, like I had been working on a lot of things in the background for a long time. And so even though I didn't have, you know, a you know boatload of clients that I was jumping to, I had a, a safety net in the sense that I had things that were that were happening in the background. I had opportunities. I had people to talk to and network with and those kinds of things. Um, so I felt like I had something to go to. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people, when we talk about self-employment, it's always a hard thing to know when to, to jump and um, what does that risk look like and all of those kinds of things. So, um, you know, it's something to be thought about very carefully, but don't, um, don't discount the mental health part of the equation because it's a really important one to consider. Yeah, what I was going to mention is that it seems that you, since you were in graduate school and you realized that that was not for you, you started kind of all this fishing expedition to kind of like <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> look everywhere and see, okay, I can do this and start doing this and start doing that. And and this is actually, this is not very common as far as I hear, you know, most of the people, they just focus on their thesis, on their experiments, on their work, and then they don't really think two steps ahead. So I think mm-hmm. that this is really nice that you're, you're, you had this experience, and I believe that this is something that... Um, all the listeners, everybody there is out there doing their uh, graduate school and they don't think that that's for them. That's one thing that they need to keep in mind. Uh, and I was wondering if that was just, um, uh, you started doing that, if you had some mentor, if you had some informative interviews. Yeah, um, I can't speak highly enough of uh, the various mentors that I've had. Um, my research advisor was was always very supportive in, in me branching out and doing new things. Um, and and seeking out and finding other people 
even at the university, but who were in different departments that did more applied things, um, who were in centers uh, and, and places that were doing more applied work, that was really, really helpful because it reminded me that there's life outside of <laughs> this very specific thing that I am studying um, and and that my science and the stuff that I was studying and learning about could actually have value outside of, outside of the stuff that I was really focused on. Um, and so I can't speak highly enough of those mentors and the, the people who took time to have conversations with me all the all the way along um, to just hear me <laughs> as I was ranting about graduate school or to suggest other alternatives and help me make connections um, to to find positions and opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And one of my uh, one of my my dear mentors, uh, you know, I always said, well, how can I ever repay you for this kind of thing? And she she said to me very simply, just pay it forward. Yeah. That's all I ask is that you pay it forward. And um, so I have taken that to heart. And I try to do that with every, you know, grad student I talk to as well is, you know, give that advice and give that perspective and let them know they're not alone, <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> there are so many people out there who are also struggling with this kind of you know, what do I do with myself? And what do I do with my life? And, um, you know, you you will get through, it's probably going to be kind of hard, but you'll get through. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I've had a few students recently who I've kind of coached through some of that, um, who've now found places and things that they're excited about, and who are doing things outside of academia that they're excited to, to try and see where that takes them. So it's, it's exciting to see that kind of ripple effect that you can have, um, and that others have had on me. So I cannot speak highly enough of those people. Uh, Y'all know who you are if you're listening. Um, But those people in my life who who have really um, made a huge difference that way. Yeah, it seems, I mean, I've only been to, I mean, Minneapolis a couple of times, but like, it seems like a community that sort of fosters that sort of, you know, like, I don't know, community or city. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't know how to quite phrase it exactly, but it, it fosters creativity in Minis- in Minneapolis, right? Like, it's very much that kind of community, and it's very obvious that it is. Yeah. There's a lot of Minnesota nice happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But but more than that, yes. There's it's a, it's a very creative place. But, like, I mean, that's not even it, though, right? Yeah. It's just, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, like, yeah, Minnesota just has this weird mm-hmm. tradition of, sort of being innovative on the cutting edge and like, you know, <laughs> right. they're the state that invented yeah, the Oregon exactly. Trail, right? Like, uh, you know, the video game. Um, through investing oh, in, like, I education to, like, <laughs> yep, the MECC. I loved yeah, that game the as Minnesota, a like, education community something something. Yeah. <laughs> I would love you to be on my trivia team. <laughs> yeah. You know so many things that I had never, like, ever heard about. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, it was like a state-funded like partly private, partly state funded <laughs> corporation Probably. that invented the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I think came out of the University of Minnesota. Like it, it just <laughs> seems like like I've just heard, met a number of other people who are affiliated mm-hmm. with the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. who are doing like one foot in academia, one foot outside in the community. It just seems like very much a thing there. I, I could be wrong about that. No, this. it's just, true. The, the, the University of Minnesota is really great about that in, in a lot of ways. They have a lot of different centers that really focus on, okay, how does our, how does the work that we're doing at the university affect community? And how do we interface with community in, in a really powerful way, as opposed to we're going to come and work on you, let's work with you kind of perspective. And so, um, you know, I know across the state, there's a lot of initiatives and a lot of cool things happening, um, you anyway, know, in not partnership. To be, like, not to bring the focus on, it's just like, I'm just like, no, it's, like context matters for it like, does. you know how you ended out 
in academia perhaps a little right. bit and like i mean i hope everywhere's has everyone can find that kind of community like mm-hmm. that will help them through but right i don't know that that's necessarily the case yeah it's true minnesota it is kind of a, a weird cool place that way that there's a lot of those kinds of opportunities that might not be available elsewhere yeah so yeah i mean i guess we can move on to like focusing back on you like i mean now that you're self-employed i guess since january like, i mean does your day look a lot different now I mean, what is your typical day? Oh, man. Do I have a typical day? Have- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was reflecting on this earlier. I, you know, there are some days I'm working on thinking about best ways for a small nonprofit to, to use digital engagement strategies to build their, like, social media presence. And then there are other days that I'm presenting to, you know, rooms full of hundreds of people about stress and trauma and child development. Like, it's 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 all over the place. And I actually really love it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people uh, in the, in the self-employment world sort of talk about this idea that you have to find your niche, you have to find your thing and focus in on it and do that one thing. And I always am really uncomfortable with that idea um, because that's not how my creativity works. (laughs) I get interested in things and get really, really into them and want to dive into them very, very deeply. And then I'll find something else cool and I want to go off in a a slightly different direction. And that's not to say that I then won't build on the things that I've done before. I think I can kind of draw the line throughout my whole career about how things have built to the next level. Um, But I just happen to be one of those people who's always kind of learning things and pulling things in and trying to apply them in new and weird and different ways. And so the idea of, you know, just being an author or just being a, a speaker or just being a YouTuber, I, that those, that, that, that's not what I want. <laughs> I want to do all the things. Um, and so figuring out how to make that sustainable and how to do that without overextending myself and all of those kinds of things. Those are the challenges that I, that I wrestle with now. Um, and, and finding that balance, I think is going to be a, it's going to be a bit of an art form more than a science. <laughs> uh, but, but it's been an interesting adventure so far. And uh, like, I love that every day looks different. I love that every day is, is a, a different challenge, a different thing on the to-do list. And um, I love that I get to have conversations with people like you about <laughs> how did I get here and what, what the heck am I doing now? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that sounds great. And it seems that you, you, your transition, the way that you told us, it looks that it was something natural and just you were evolving out mm-hmm. and you've, finally found your your call let's say or your calls <laughs> plural <laughs> yes you went, yeah and then you finally took the leap but uh in the very beginning of the podcast you mentioned that he you were happy to listen to our podcast because uh to make sure that you were not alone mm-hmm. so i wanted you to tell a little bit of the what was the struggle like what was the hard part what was tough for you mm-hmm. during the transition? Yeah, there's uh, a lot <laughs> that's been tough. Um, I, I mean, the the hardest thing I think for me was that I wasn't expecting, at least, was the loss of colleagues. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, not be, like being self-employed, you are an island. <laughs> you are the, yeah. the yes. work gets done or doesn't get done based solely on you. And I have always been a type of person who loves working in collaborative environments. And so that's been a bit of a change. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I've really had to work hard to find my communities 
outside of that traditional workplace environment. And so um, whether that's, you know, friends who who really understand the work that I'm doing, um, I, I sort of joke that I have a, a makeshift advisory board for my <laughs> self-employment business, but I have <laughs> friends that I can run things by and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, I'm trying to do this thing and this isn't this isn't working quite, quite right. Help me think about it. Um, and, and you know, I will, yeah. I will say that the colleagues that I had before, it's not that they stopped being colleagues. It was just that the relationship changed. And you don't see them as much anymore. And so um, just even that sort of regularity pattern of being in a in an office and being with people, I I do miss that. Um, And so I have to find ways whether that's, you know, going to a coffee shop and meeting a friend and working or whether that's, you know, going and camping out in someone's office for a few hours just to kind of be around other people uh, and kind of have that energy back. Um, That that I would say has been one of the hardest things that I wasn't expecting to be hard. you know, there were other parts of it I was expecting to be hard, like learning how to do bookkeeping and how to, you know, figure out the LLC stuff and the lawyer stuff and that, you know, all of those things that go into the being a self-employed person. Um, and, you know, having to take all of that on um, is like a whole nother job. Which, you know, <laughs> they tell you, they warn you when you jump into self-employment, like you're gonna have to do it all. They're not kidding. Um, and so, so that's been a challenge. Um, but in terms of sort of the you know, what I think what you're really asking is like, what's been helpful in terms of hearing about other people going through these things is just knowing that, you know, even being in the mire of trying to put together a proposal for this thing, or, you know, trying to figure out my social media strategy or any of these things, knowing that there are other people out there who are also like, I don't know what I'm doing either. Like, how are, let's figure this out together. Um, that's been really valuable. And also just knowing other people are going through this transition and and that it's hard for them too. you know, it sometimes can get uh, you get to a place where you look around and you're like, everyone else is doing so great. And everything is awesome for them. And why does <laughs> why is it hard? Like, and so to have, you know, honest conversations like the ones you guys have about the struggles and the, the things that go into um, making these decisions and taking the leap and all of that, I think it's really valuable information. Yeah, so I think that answers, yeah, like some of the biggest challenges in your position now mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty well. I've definitely been there where I've been like, oh, yes, everybody else has their their poop grouped, as yep. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and I I do not. Yep. And so it's nice to know that, like, everybody who puts on this kind of facade may not, may not actually have everything together. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard to figure out. Like, I mean, I just moved to a new mm-hmm. city and like, I mean, I literally know nobody here. Oh, that's well, hard. So yeah. And like, I haven't had a chance to get out socially because I mean, yes, I have my day job and I talk to people there, but then I also have my side gigs, like mm-hmm. I'm still writing and trying to do some editing and like I podcast. And so I'm like, oh, when do I have a light? Like, when do I socialize <laughs> again? That's a great question um, too. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's hard. And, like, I mean, some of this just comes with, like, I mean, I don't know, like, American adulthood where you're not allowed to have friends. Um, well, something that's like that. Like, <laughs> making making friends as adults is hard. Friends. I know. Yeah. If you don't have an excuse of, like, kids, like, seem to help sometimes. I mean, sometimes. just, like, to make friends yeah. with other parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, sometimes, like, pets can work that way, too. Like, if, especially a dog. Like, it's true. Go to the dog park and yep. eat the dog people. I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I know. Like, I, I want an sorry. app like Tinder, but for friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, is that would be great. Like, what? Yeah. 
Sorry, I was going to say parent or, like, meeting other parents, but that's probably not really a problem. No, no, it's has. meeting parents that you like that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could, I could Honestly, that. like, I think somebody has made that app, but it's Tinder for, like, making friends as an adult. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I don't know what it's called, but I think that exists. I feel like it has to at this point. I mean, yeah. so yeah. many people talk about that, that that's a, such a challenge. I mean, I'm, I'm living in the same basic city that you know, same basic area where I grew up. And I don't see any of my high school friends anymore. But even for me, like after grad school, there was that whole period of like, okay, how do I make friends with people? And I luckily had been a part of a choir um, my whole time through graduate school. And so that was really helpful to have that other thing that I was doing that was not graduate school and not related to that um, and making friends through that. But aside from that, it's really hard. It's really hard to figure out like, okay, I'm going to go put myself out there and maybe meet some some people at this thing I'm going to go to, or maybe stand in the corner and (laughs) eat the finger food. (laughs) Right. I'm much more likely to do that. Exactly. Me too. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah, it's a work in progress. Like that part of it's a work in progress too. Mm -hmm. Because like, I mean, the thing is like, for me, that's one reason I also wanted to get out of academia is to have more of a life outside of my work. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so still working on that. Um, but yeah, cause like, you know, I mean, it's one thing, like if you're settled, have a family maybe, but like, you know, even parents and families need friends too. Like it's, <laughs> it's true. It doesn't go away. <laughs> um, yeah. Amanda? Anyway. Oh yeah. I did want to ask you, so you do YouTube. And yes. So we've talked a bit about your evaluation, oh, yeah. um, or your, your company and what else you, and all the things you do, you wrote a book. But YouTube, how did you get into YouTube? Yeah, I'm a giant nerd, you guys. Um, <laughs> You're speaking to people there. who started a podcast. Yeah, well, you know, so. about leaving academia. Yeah, no, about I get it. Academia. So, you know. I'm I in good company. Pivoting to video, it's a real strategy now, you guys. <laughs> See, and I'm all thinking monies. about pivoting to audio because it just seems so much easier than video editing. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, the, the YouTube thing. So I... I don't even know when this was, a handful of years ago, um, got into watching online video. Like, I just, I, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it or what even happened there, but I discovered this whole world on YouTube of people, like vloggers and educational creators and- Because they like, YouTube is huge. Yeah, and all of, these, all of these different people who were doing just really cool stuff with online video. And, and I was like, that's really awesome. How do I get to be a part of that? And so um, I I was looking around and just sort of realized that in terms of the, the space of developmental psychology, there weren't a lot of people out there talking about developmental psychology on YouTube and in, in any sort of um, educational, you know, framing from a YouTube kind of perspective. It wasn't, you know, short, mm-hmm. digestible things. It was hour and a half long lectures. So... I was like, okay, how do I make my own YouTube channel and start doing this kind of thing? And it really just sort of turned into a, let's try to do this thing. And um, so I think I've had my channel for two years now, and it's still pretty small, but I've made some really great friends and colleagues um, in the educational like uh, educational space on YouTube um, with a bunch of different creators doing a bunch of cool stuff. And so I'm constantly learning from them about, you know, different filmmaking techniques and, you know, thinking about, you know, pulling in graphics in this way or doing this kind of animation. And so it's really, uh, it's really been fun in terms of playing around and kind of growing my skills a little bit, but also as uh, from a business perspective of like, 
having a corner on the market of developmental psychology a little bit like oh this is the thing that I do this is my niche for lack of a better a better term um so when I go and do presentations and speaking gigs I have videos that I've made that I can play instead of having to talk about this topic again for the 15th time like here's past Sarah talking about this topic um and try to make them short form content so that people can find them and be you know interested and engaged for five minutes and then want to know more so um that's kind of yeah, I just sort of stumbled into it and was like, this is really cool. I want to do this thing and figured out sort of kind of how to do it. <laughs> Still learning. <laughs> do you, yeah. I mean, do you like, I mean, do you use tools? Like, I mean, do you use like Premiere to edit or like? I have Final Pro? Cut Pro. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, so you uh, do. Okay. Yeah. So, you've got, so you got the fancy software. I wasn't sure like, did yes. you start off with the fancy software? I started off with iMovie. Oh, <laughs> the days of iMovie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I shudder. <laughs> I look at what my Final Cut Pro can do now and I'm like, oh, I would never go back. Um, yeah, but I, I started on, on iMovie and that was fine for what I was trying to do originally. And right. um, I think it's a good way to start. Actually. It is. Because I mean, great. it comes free on your MacBook. I mean, yeah. if you have a Mac, yeah. Yeah. People often ask me, like, what's the key to doing good online video? And I would say it's not the video or the software. It's not the camera. It's none of that. It's the content and making sure your content is engaging and uh, exciting for people. And uh, it's that bridging education and entertainment kind of piece that's um, that's an art form. <laughs> uh, and so, some channels do it really, really well. And it's it's fun to watch and learn from them uh, and get ideas for how I might apply that to my own my own content. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, I've heard, you know, Derek Muller, Veritasium on YouTube, yep. he just he similar idea that like, yep, content is king. Yep. And, yeah, you yeah. know, like he says, you should I mean, one, like, a couple of things with that stuff is like one you just have to start like it's gonna yep. be terrible at first no matter what you do yep it's <laughs> true like keep doing it and try to do better than you did the last time going forward right yeah and he would very much emphasize the writing too like i i i, I was at a workshop with him once so no oh, like, cool like, oh, yeah we talked about all this stuff and he's like yep good writing like that's where it all starts yep and it's, like, it's yeah. true do you script out your like your I do. I do. Um, so there are some that I'll do a little more loose. Um, but a lot of the times, because I'm talking about research or, or specific kinds of content, I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. <laughs> and I want to make sure that like the wording and the phrasing is really, really important for some of those things. And so for those, I usually script and then I do kind of a couple of different takes and see if I can remember the whole line. <laughs> oh, the blooper reels, they're fun. Um, so uh, and then from there, edit down uh, and and kind of add in graphics and animation as I as I feel like it it supplements the content um, but otherwise it's kind of it's up to this point been a lot of me talking direct to camera um, with some some help graphics here and there but I will I also do some interviews with people and that sort of thing uh, and so that's been fun and I'm interested and excited to kind of branch out and try some other new things in the future too so it's a fun thing cool. yeah do you use a teleprompter at all like when you're trying to like I have this really in. bad DIY teleprompter. <laughs> no, I'm you can like with an with an iPad and a um, eight and a half by eleven picture frame, you can kind of make a teleprompter. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Uh, I don't use it very often because it's more of a pain to set up than it is to learn the lines that I want to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to hire an assistant. I that know. Then will just 
just hang it there and pass it over the, yeah, the exactly. pages for cards. you. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, I think, yeah, we can come to a slight end here. It's like, do you have, would you tell, what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. Like, now? Oh, man. Well, I think what I would tell my younger self is actually different than what I would tell people who are in graduate school now. <laughs> So I'll I'll say both. Okay, so say both. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you can say both. Um, What I would tell myself is kind of hang in there. Your hard work is going to pay off and you're going to be okay. Those are the the main things. And it's not that I wouldn't say those things to grad students now. I would say those. And then I would also say that um, I think the world of academia is changing. And I think a lot of programs are not set up to, to deal with the fact that there are not enough jobs for the PhDs who that they're pumping out. And so mm-hmm. if you are one of those graduate students who are in a position where you're like, I don't know that there's going to be a job for me, start looking now, start finding yeah. other things, try new stuff, reach out to people, reach out to me on Twitter, I will talk to you. Um, you know, what, whatever what is it your is. Twitter handle? I am at Dr. Langworthy, Dr. Langworthy. <laughs> um, so yes, find me on Twitter. Uh, and, and, you know, feel free to reach out to people at most of us, I think, who have been through this transition are are eager and happy to share our stories and to, to talk people through those kinds of things. Because yes, we a lot of us, a lot of us probably felt alone during that time. And those of us who weren't um, had really great mentors. And so know know what that looks like and know um, a little bit about how to be that for other people. So, um, you know, hang in there, keep working hard, and you're going to be okay. But also, the world that you're in is a lot different than the world that that any of us were in, um, even just a few years ago in this in this transition. So, um, you know, best of but it's luck. a happy word as well right yes <laughs> it's true yeah. it is there's happier uh, at least then yeah i mean at least there's a strong value in like phd programs yeah like, i mean at least like the idea of mentorship and like sending the ladder back down to like help younger people or mm-hmm. help other people mm-hmm. like, whether they're younger or not right like that is a true value of academia like, yeah it's you know mm-hmm. i think in a lot most contexts sorry i don't want to like say that there are no jerks out there there are but um <laughs> You know, but there are nice people it is too. Like, yeah, there are a lot of nice people too. Yeah, and who they will try to help you as they can. Like, exactly, because like there are some times where it's like somebody will ask me something. My, like, yep, I'm happy to listen, but like I honestly can't really help you that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... And like I might be able to suggest someone to go talk to who might know the mm-hmm. answer to your question, but. Yeah, but many times when you are like in that transition and you are lost and you don't know what to do, like talking to someone that oh, for sure. went through and just listening to what they've done, it, it it's already makes you feel better, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yes. That's my opinion, I guess. Yeah, there, absolutely. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It might yep. be the size of a pinprick right now, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> just keep walking towards it. <laughs> right. Yes, I like absolutely. that. Keep going towards the light. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So with that, we'll um, wrap up this episode of the Recovering Academic Podcast. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. And again, that is at Dr. Langworthy, Dr. Langworthy, and you can find her at drlangworthy.com. And thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Thanks, time. everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. This week's Recovering Academic is sponsored by Scientific Dispatches Consulting, an editorial service for scientists. 
They specialize in helping you tell your research story clearly and concisely. Scientific Dispatches offers consulting, editing, writing, and presentation preparation services. You can find out more and schedule a free consultation at scientificdispatches.com. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps other people find out about us. You can tweet the show at RecoveringAcad. You can also find all of the hosts on Twitter. I'm at LadyScientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash recoveringacademicpodcast. You can find all of our episodes and subscribe to our newsletter on our website at recoveringacademic.net. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower.